Um, I just felt before we kick off, um, I just felt I, I've, I've been reading um, this morning actually some of the greetings that Paul uses in his letters. Um, you know, when he starts his letters, and I felt God kind of really draw me to the word. He calls us saints, and you know, you are saints. That's what uh, the Apostle Paul calls you, um, calls the church, members of the church, um, in lots of the different um, churches. And, and I, I sometimes think we kind of lose the meaning of the word ch- uh, saints, don't we? And, and particularly kind of with denominational religion, and sometimes we can lose and miss what God... What, um, what God is saying, actually, through, the, the, through these greetings. And I just felt God would say, I want to remind you what saints mean. Who knows what saints means? Holy ones. Yeah. It means holy ones. So, and I just felt God wants to impress that on us as we start. We are holy ones. We don't need to be embarrassed about that. We can stand confidently in that. We're set apart um, for God's delight in us, for God dwelling in us. He chose to dwell in you, me, holy ones. Um, We have the privilege of worshipping this God unfettered. We are the holy ones. And I just feel God wants to impress that on us as we move into this next, you know, season of Jubilee. You know, not to be stepping backwards, not be thinking, oh, am I, am I good enough? No, actually, you're the holy ones. You're the royal priesthood. You're, you know, you're chosen. You're chosen people. So I just feel God wants to impress that on us. So I'm going to pray before we kick off, okay? Thank you, Lord, that um, you call us saints. Thank you, Lord, that we're your royal priesthood. Thank you, Lord, that you, we are your chosen ones, that we're set apart for you that you delight in us, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that he rose again so that we may have life and life in all abundance. I thank you, Lord, that, you know, we are, um, we, 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 we are more than conquerors in you. You'd never leave us. I thank you, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll continue to keep reminding us of these truths as we press on through um, church life, through church in our workplace, through church in our uh, marriages, through, you know, our whole spiritual life in all these settings, Lord. Come, fill us with your spirit tonight and and speak to us more, Lord. Speak to us more in your name. Amen. So, great to see you again tonight. Last last week, I hope you got the message crystal clear that um, God is, our God is a speaking God that he speaks to all of us, and we all have the privilege and joy of hearing him and declaring his encouragement and provocation to each other in grace and love. It's about all of us. That's the beauty, if you like, of being uh, different parts of the same body. Uh, As former Westminster Chapel elder Greg Haslam put it, he put it like this, the New Testament teaches not only the priesthood of all believers, yeah, Uh, But as we might put it, the prophethood of all believers. In this, there is an extension of the franchise of prophetic gifts so that their distribution crosses ageist, sexist, ethnic and social divides. It it knocks down all those divides. God the Holy Spirit is an equal opportunity empowerer. Yeah? Uh, So tonight I want to pack the question, why is the gift 
of prophecy so vital to the church, you and me? What does the Bible tell us about the purpose, uh, about its purpose in God's kingdom plans? So quick fire, six things. By the way, I've produced some notes so that you can follow. It would be helpful if you had them in front of you, the colourful things there. Just really the headings so that you can keep up with um, what's, uh, what's going to be said. So firstly, Jesus has given big presents to his church. Gifts, yeah, lots of gifts. Ephesians 4 tells us that, doesn't it? He said in Ephesians 4, it says, but to each one of us, remember, each one of us, grace has been given as a portion, as Christ portioned it. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In many ways, that uh, excerpt from Ephesians is the umbrella of all that we're doing over the next four, uh, uh, over the last week and the next three weeks. If I was going to lead a church well, that's hypothetically speaking, of course, these gifts sound really important to me. Okay, many churches since the Reformation uh, have mainly opened Jesus' gifts of evangelist and pastor and teacher, but not so much the apostolic and the prophetic gifts. But the Bible says a big no to that. If you're relatively new to New Frontiers, that is something that New Frontiers have, has really pressed it into over the last uh, however many years. In Ephesians 4, we see all five of these ministries being donated by the ascended Jesus to perform particular functions in the life of his church throughout all time to equip God's people, you and me, for works of service. They stimulate activity, if you like, and productivity. They promote unity and nurture maturity, all big words, among God's people. Prophecy shapes the church to be more, uh, to be more like Jesus. Prophecy is a big present, a gift from Jesus to instill in us all of Jesus' ministry into the church. And we must unwrap all of these gifts confidently, confidently, in faith, with L plates, we're all learning, um, and with expectation. Okay. Secondly, prophetic men and women are eyes and ears of the church. Yeah. In Richard Adams' storybook, I don't know if anybody's read it, uh, Watership Down, we share in the adventure of a small band of rabbits as they leave their threatened field in search of a new and safer warren. In the book, we're introduced to the courageous leader, Hazel, the brave warrior, Bigwig, to Strawberry, to Buckthorn and the rest. But there's one rabbit that stands out, probably the most interesting character of all, Fiverr. You see, Fiverr is different. He's more sensitive than the other rabbits. He seems almost on constant alert. His body is tense, his whiskers trembling, his ears pricked, his, his eyes staring, his nose sniffing the air. He seems to be perpetually on the watch. You see, it's Fiverr who sees what others don't see. 
who senses danger and warns others about others of it. He smells the breath of hope wafted from afar. He exhorts and cajoles his fellow rabbits in order to stir them into action. You see, in a way, Fiverr, if you like, is the prophet of the group. He convinces the other rabbits that change is necessary, essential for survival. He forces them to make decisions they ordinarily wouldn't make. He opens them up to possibilities that they cannot first see. Acting on intuition, he frees them from the paralysis of of well-tried habit. By following Fiverr and his advice, they are saved. Yeah. Prophecy gives us a sense of season, the seasons of God, activ- uh, the seasons of God's activity in the church. There are seasons in the church. We know it, don't we? Jeremy, I think, spoken about it in the past. It helps convey vision and direction, does prophecy. That's what we're sensing. The temperature has changed. The season is changing. A line has been crossed in terms of our church journey as we move ahead with what God is doing. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. I reiterated that on Sunday. I'm doing a new thing, God says. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I do, and a lot of you do. We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire, we go. Why? Because God is on the move. This is a new season. Jubilee, God is speaking. And hear this, are we courageous enough to hear, pray, and act? That is the challenge. Christ has given big presents to his church, receive them all. Prophecy conveys vision, purpose, a change in season to the people of God. And when received, we act, all of us. Thirdly, oh, what's that? Oh, is that the bell? Thirdly, <laughs> prophecy, hey? I thought my time's up. (laughs) Thirdly, prophecy prepares, fortifies, and fortifies the church for things yet to come. We see that in the book of Ezra, don't we, during the rebuilding of the temple. This was a period in history where the Jewish people faced massive threat and resistance from Samaritan neighbours and empires to the east. Yet in the midst of this dangerous uncertainty. Ezra 5.1 tells us, Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel son of Sheatil and uh, Joshua son of Josedach set to work to rebuild the house in Jerusalem and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. You see, I don't think that means that they were carrying bricks and shovels. They might have been, but primarily Haggai and Zechariah, one straight to the point, one slightly poetic, will have been speaking what the people needed to hear in the midst of strife and uncertainty and setback about God's beautiful future temple. Not just a pep talk, not just positive persuasion, rather God's God's future assurance, strength and stirring, motivation. You see, prophecy helps us persevere in the, fa- in the face of setback and danger and impossibility and threat. Prophecy brings inspiration, motivation and hope. Prophecy 
brings the reality of a future heaven here and now. Four. Prophecy confirms the leading that God's servants have already received. We see that, don't we? Um, this is really important. I want, I, I want encouraging nudges from God always. I'm scared of what I could do without God. As we move into, a, in, into this season of, allo- uh, of allowing God to shape our values and culture, I want you to know that God focused me and the team through prophetic words. Andy's prophecy about I'm going to ignite fires in your hearts and you will be known as the tribe of burning hearts was a prophetic promise that God will change us from the very inside out. When Kyrian asked the question, what makes your heart sing? What's at the tip of the spear? This too for me was confirmation that God was making us rethink what was important about his church. He was changing me in a primarily, from a primarily doing mindset to a, to a more being mindset. Both of these words came with phrases later on in both prophecies about not needing to keep doing what we've always been doing. God spoke to me about two, year, about two years ago uh, about the faces, how the faces of Jubilee will change. That's happening. I struggled with that. I love people, yeah. But God is gentle, God is tender. God walks us through this journey. Are we open to change? Prophecy helps leaders lead through change and God's servants change through change. God is with us. He says so. Five, prophecy strengthens and encourages and comforts the church. Um, if, you, if, you, if you were to open 1 Corinthians 14, where the Apostle Paul motivates the church to follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, he describes prophecy with a whole pile of verbs. They seem to like kind of tumble out one after another, doing word after doing word. First, there's oikidomo, which means edifies. Oikidomo was often used to express the completion of a building. Greg Haslam puts it like this. Prophecy completes and finishes the church so that it it becomes, as it were, a showroom for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Then there's the word parakello, a difficult word to translate, actually. On the one hand, para means not to be in front of or behind, but alongside, like the word parallel. God the Holy Spirit in prophecy comes right alongside you in Uh, In prophecy, he stands by you, for you in the strongest sense. But on the other hand, the kaleo bit means to declare, to call or even argue with you. There's a soft side uh, to him comforting you, but there's also a hard side, arguing with you, debating with you, challenging you. What are you doing this for? Go this way. He's sometimes for you, against you. Or as Keller sometimes puts it, his love has teeth in it. Then there's the verb paramuthia, which describes to describe the role of prophecy, which means encourages. God, that word encourage, it means God put, puts courage into us for the lives we lead and the situations he sends us to. Then there's elenktai. That's the next verb describing prophecy. Jesus convicts us, that's what that means. Especially non-believers, we never hold back 
Uh, we never hold back the gifts of the Spirit because there are, vis- because there are visitors amongst us, maybe non-Christians amongst us. We're sensitive about them. We'll explain what's happening. You'll see that on Sundays or in different settings. We don't get all weird over people, but prophecy is for their benefit too. Um, It says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin at Glentai and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. It's a sign that God's with us. Lastly, the verb methano, prophecy. Uh, Prophecy instructs, that's what that means. Prophecy conveys knowledge about God so that lives are changed. And not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. Yeah. To be filled with God the Holy Spirit is to have your whole life transformed by an acute awareness, consciousness of the glorious person that lives in the four walls, uh, that lives in the walls of your life, speaking strength, encouragement, comfort to you. Prophecy is so important. Finally, six, prophecy lifts every believer to the possibility of becoming God's voice instead of just being an echo. This is so important in our day, where the buzzword is just tolerance, 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 forsaking all. Increasingly, the church is becoming just an echo of what the world thinks and does. Political correctness and fear has robbed the church of her voice. As Philip Greenslade vividly puts it, the prophet stops the church marrying the spirit of the age, knowing she'll be widowed in the next. When we look at Joseph in Egypt, or Solomon before Sheba, or um, uh, Daniel in Babylon, or Jesus before Pilate, or the apostles who who were persecuted for their words, the challenge to our generation and all generations to come is to recover that voice again, not deliberately trying to upset people and distance distance ourselves from culture, but to show everybody that God has a better way. Why? Because we love Teesside. We love this nation. We love the nations. That's the heart of it. Robert Brow said, Prophecy is not just a question of a little word of building up or a few consoling thoughts. The building up is lifting men and women up out of the humdrum into the great movement of God in history to allow God the Holy Spirit to shake a man to the very core and stand him on his feet again to do exploits for God. And that's men and women. Prophecy is vital to the church. You are the church. God speaks and he speaks through you and me. In short, prophecy helps make the whole of Jubilee truly be prophetic in everything we do. Whether that's preaching, teaching, reaching out, caring for the poor, loving and coming alongside the whole church of God or, 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 or our involvement in transforming Teesside together, loving the marginalised, lifting the broken, raising leaders, beautifying community life and, um, and glorifying worship. Prophecy instills all of that. We are a prophetic people. 
God is molding us more and more into his prophetic people where God shines everywhere and to everyone as we rejoice, as we welcome, as we inspire, as we go. Question, will you rise to the call of God in this next season of Jubilee? You are made for it and you're made for nothing less.